Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. I was thinking back to just like the early days of our relationship. I was like, oh, like that's probably normal. Things that in hindsight should have very much been red flags. I questioned what did I do wrong when like objectively he cheated on me. This is the introspective infidelity episode of your dreams. Not only is it a story about cheating, it's from the perspective of a licensed psychologist. We hit the jack. Pop, baby. Hey, what's up? It's Abby for the Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. As always, if you like this podcast, I always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review. And if you like following your podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. And of course, the purpose of this podcast is to get to the bottom and to the heart of those breakup stories you've always wanted to know about. So if you've been following someone and you notice that they might be soft launching their breakup, you can submit them via the submission form in the episode description. Or if you have a breakup story that you've always wanted to tell yourself. Again, submission form is in the episode description. Last but not least, if there's a certain part of the interview that you want to jump to, you can find the timestamps in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. I'm here with co-worker Justin. Yeah. How you feeling? I'm good. Not to make this a Jags <laughs> thing, but like our sports team's doing really good, so I'm happy. I actually watched a Jags game for the first time. This is funny because I was here at the station doing like a post-game show where we're having people call in. It might have been that day, like I was watching the game and I saw you posting about all the questions you were doing for the breakup breakdown. Like you were in here recording, do your thing. And I was like, it would be very Abby thing to like, eh, the Jags game, I'll just go record a podcast. This is my my baby. I got to take care of it. Yeah, I know. And the Jags haven't proven until now that they were even worth really me watching. So this kind of can fit with the breakup breakdown a little bit. Okay, make it it happen, Justin. There is a Jags video. Uh, Maybe I'll send you the link so you can post it on your social media if this gets approved. Okay, if I don't edit it out. If the bosses, yeah, if the bosses (laughs) approve. There's a video of Trevor Lawrence running over after every game he runs over to give his wife a kiss. If you go watch that video, there's a guy next to her that's like really excited and she pushes him out of the way. (laughs) And so my friend group was like, is she kind of rude for doing that? And I was like, no, I feel like he's rude for like trying to like get in the moment. And I get it. He's a fan. He's just excited. And she's like, hey, let me give him a kiss. You're good. And it's not like a mean push, but it's definitely like you can see her move this out (laughs) of the way. I know exactly what video you're talking about because I showed Virginia yesterday. If you follow us on socials, you know my friend Virginia was here recording next week's breakdown bonus <laughs> and I showed her that video and I thought wow I've never felt more single I, it's funny I didn't notice that guy I thought I it was didn't just a either the only reason the only reason I noticed is my roommate in college is his wife's cousin oh <laughs> 
Maybe I'll slide into his DMs. Maybe this is a love match made, made in heaven. But it was I would re- never push him out of the way. But he was very like Jags. He was, he was in a he was in a whole outfit. All right. Well, this week we're raising awareness for the Georgia Coalition Against Domestic Violence. It's the leading voice to end domestic violence in Georgia, representing over 50 domestic violence organizations and programs across the state. So as always, if you feel called to donate, give your time, your resources, check out all of those links in the episode description. So Justin, the mm-hmm. submission, it's a first for us. Oh, okay. It's a first for that us, which is nervous. Rare. We're like, what, 60 episodes in? 60 breakups in? 60 breakups in. And this is the first time I've ever had two people mm. submit a story about the same person. Oh, multiple submissions for the same breakup. But the people were unrelated. I guess the second one wasn't really a submission, but more of a tip. Did the two know the other was submitting? No. Huh? This person, the very first person I got the submission from, knew the interviewee, knew her from at one point in her life and okay. saw that she had gotten together with a guy. She's like, I think they went to the same high school, but it wasn't like a, they dated in high school and now they're back together. She thinks it was like a random connection. Okay. So she said from the outside, actually seemed like a pretty quick relationship. They ended up getting married and years later, time goes by. She's like, whatever happened to them? Are they still married? Never Are they having kids? Up. She finds out that her name has been changed back to her maiden name on mm. Instagram. And she's like, mm-hmm, I smell a divorce. <laughs> so then I start digging. I, you know, I start doing the things that I typically do when I'm preparing for an episode. Sure. I go to the Instagram. I start stalking. I do all that weird, crazy mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend stuff. And then I notice. I'm like, wait a second. She knows my friend. Oh, wow. And so then I go to my friend's DMs. I message her. I said, hey, do you know the interviewee? So do you know X, Y, and Z? Yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, yeah. And I was like, listen, it's for the breakup breakdown. This is the gist that I have. And she goes, oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but she like noticed on social media that she'd been posting all those classic soft launch breakup type things. Mm-hmm. Inspirational quotes about overcoming difficult times and handling things with grace. And she also <laughs> noticed the last name change thing. This was like so fun for me. There must be at least a handful of other people out here who thought the same thing about this interviewee. Oh man, okay. And we're like, oh my gosh, what happened? I love the connection of she got together with someone she knew from high school. As somebody who lives in their hometown now, mm-hmm. it is so funny to me. Not funny, like a haha, but like, you know, it's like, oh, pleasant surprise when you see like Jared from my algebra <laughs> class end up with somebody they would have never, never crossed thought. paths with. I remember when I went home like the first time in college, like a bunch of, well, not wouldn't be the first time, like after we graduated, I went home and you run into people that you might have known from high school and two that I knew pretty well, they had gotten together and they had three kids at that point. And like, I mean, like ju- I just graduated college. So they had to have like during those college years made those kids because it was very like jolting. I was like three kids already. And it was still that age where you don't know if you said congrats or oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it really messed me up. Like I didn't know what to say back to them. But again, it was like two people that if you had to put them into like a category of like group that they hung out with, I would say one was more of the theater kids and the other one was more like the pothead stoners that don't really like hang out with anybody else. The theater kids are freaky, man. Don't underestimate them. Listen, both my brothers were in theater. I've heard stories, so. Yo, random fun fact for all longtime listeners who have come to know and love Justin. Would you have ever expected that Justin, our sweet, (laughs) vanilla, straight heterosexual man, Mm -hmm. has like the coolest, what is he? He's like a drag star? Oh, my brother, yes. Yeah, your brother's a drag star. Drag queen? What's the official term? uh, Drag queen, I believe. Drag queen. Yeah, yeah. From my understanding, I think it's become his own thing, so it kind of moves around now. Like, it used to be at the yoga studio that he was working at. I'll link it in the episode description, but if you live near Charleston and you want to do yoga from Justin's brother. He does, like, a drag yoga thing. Drag yoga. And he does it in heels. That's the part I'm like, yo, that can't feel good. You must have calves of steel. But anyway, I can't wait to go to Charleston (laughs) because I want to do it. He said that once you tell me when you're going up there, he's going to see if he has a class there. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Anyway, what were we talking about? Um, Oh, yeah. So, random connections from high school. And so, that's been the fun thing for me about moving back home. I kind of know 
know. I've seen you out at the bars. Oh, any, you're not like, yeah. Any misconnection that could have happened would have happened already. Mm. I've matched with a couple of people from my high school. And it's funny because I matched with a guy who was older and was in the cool, popular crowd. So I was like, if I like message him, because it was on Bumble, if I message him, uh, is he going to be like, oh, I just did this as a joke. That's just me being insecure. I, that's when you just go for it anyway. Yeah. So anyway, that was the one thing I got really excited about when I heard about this, because you never know what's going to cause a divorce, but I wanted to know how they got back together. Yeah. Like, how do you get back to someone from high school? And then why did it go wrong? I'm invested. I've got multiple people in mm-hmm. on this story. So let's break down this week's breakup. So we went to high school together. However, we really didn't talk to each other in high school that much. Like he was very much the popular kid, the athlete, just like in with with sort of like the cool kids, you know, in, in air quotes. I just really wasn't. So we had a couple classes together. I always had sort of a crush on him, but didn't really talk in high school. We ended up reconnecting when I was home. This was my senior year of college over Thanksgiving. So we were both in our hometown over Thanksgiving. We reconnected then and started dating. The first, I think, year, year and a half of our relationship was long distance, which was really hard. But yeah, I guess as far as like things that kind of made me fall in love, he was just like very patient, very kind. The one thing that I always complimented him on was like his patience. That was huge for me. Just very like gentle with me a lot of times until things kind of broke apart. But (laughs) I love this dynamic. I feel like I was in a very similar boat to you in high school where you kind of had this far away crush of someone in the popular group. So I got to know, how did you guys reconnect? Did you guys bump into each other at a bar, get connected through friends? What happened? So we were just both back home, like at a bar in our hometown and I met each other and started talking. Yeah. And and mostly just kind of started texting because we were going to be long distance for a while. He went to college in a different state than I did. We were only home for like a couple days. Started talking then. He was very patient until things took a turn. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So you guys dated for a year and a half and you finally get to live in the same city. You guys get jobs in the same city. So I ended up moving to a totally different state for grad school. So he had one more year of college, ended up getting a job out by me where I was at grad school. And so that's kind of how we ended up living in the same place after being long distance for the entirety of our relationship. It was kind of scary. You guys started your relationship long distance. So were there some growing pains there? Oh, absolutely. Yes. When we would see each other, it would usually be for like longer stretches of time. You know, I would go and visit him for like a week at a time or he would come out to me and visit for a week at a time. So, you know, like we were living together in air quotes kind of during those times, like living, living together in like the same house, the same city. That was something that we had never done before. Definitely growing pains. Definitely kind of the stereotypical who is going to do what in the house or, you know, kind of chores or stuff like that. Just kind of learning to live with another person again after not having done that for a while. That sounds like a pretty healthy relationship to me, but this is the breakup breakdown. So things are, I'm assuming, going to break down at some point. (laughs) Can you think back to a moment where you're like, oh, I feel like that might have been the beginning of the end? It's funny you ask that because I was kind of reflecting a lot over the past week or so, piecing things together in my mind because I haven't really talked about the story in entirety to anyone really besides like my therapist. People know sort of bits and pieces. They don't really know a lot of kind of the whole story. I was thinking back to just like the early days of our relationship. A lot of things that in hindsight should have very much been red flags to me, but they weren't at the time because I was like, oh, like that's probably normal in a long-term relationship. I don't know. We're long distance. Like it's going to be hard. So I kind of almost like gaslighted myself in a lot of ways (laughs) over these pretty obvious red flags. Like for example, they're very, very early on in our relationship. There were a couple of times when he had called me his ex's name. This happened like three different times. A couple of them were when we were being intimate with each other. Very awkward, very uncomfortable. I was obviously pissed. But there was another time that this happened and we had like gone out on a 
date and he lived in like a pretty small town. So we had to drive 45 minutes to go to this movie theater out of the city. We were walking into the movie theater. He said something and called me his ex's name again. And this was after a couple different times of this happening. So I was obviously furious. I was like, this has happened multiple times. We've gone through this argument multiple times. Why does this keep happening? This is not okay. And I got really, really mad and ended up ordering myself an Uber to go back to his house because he didn't want to drive me back to, <laughs> to his house after this. That happened. I got the Uber, ended up driving back to my place in the different state that I lived in. And it's funny because my sister actually told this whole story at our wedding because I don't think she knew that like what precipitated this fight, but she kind of framed it as like, oh, thank you for being so patient with you know her when she would get so upset with you over these little things or whatever. And like, she didn't know, I don't think what precipitated this. And there were like other instances of him like talking to other girls and I would just kind of like gaslight myself out of it of, you know, like, oh, this is normal, whatever. In hindsight, it was not normal. So I can imagine in that moment when he's calling you his ex's name, you're thinking, well, she's on his mind. Maybe she wants to yeah. get back to her. Was that something that manifested itself or was he just being an asshole with the name thing? No, no. So that happened like multiple times. I would find texts between him and his ex on his phone throughout our relationship, being really secretive about it. He had saved her name as like a boy's name as like one of his friends. So that way I wouldn't know that it was her because he knew that I would get jealous. And he sort of like gaslighted me about that and was like, well, I know you'd be angry. And even though we're just talking as friends, you know, whatever. So that's why I saved it like this. So a lot of different instances like that. And not only just with his ex, but like other women too that that he was close with, just like pretty inappropriate things very early on in our relationship. But ended up, yeah, just kind of like working through those things. And then he ended up moving by me. I have to ask, you work in the mental health field. What's your opinion on going through a partner's phone? Yeah, so so many different opinions on this. I think, I don't know if I have just like a one size fits all opinion on it. I think in some cases it's very needed and necessary. And in some cases it's really not healthy. This is maybe just me justifying it to myself, but I truly felt strongly like there was a need to look and see what was there because like there were things there. So like clearly my intuition was right in that situation. I think in a lot of relationships, it's not the most healthiest. I think it can be healthy. I don't really know. It's funny though, because now like having been in other relationships since then, I don't feel a need to look through my partner's phone or other people that I've been with. It isn't just like the strong burning urge to like know what is on there. Hopefully my intuition is right. And like, there's nothing on there. After hearing so many of these stories, it's funny. I was just joking on an episode that we put out this week where everybody always apologizes when they mention that they've gone through their partner's phone and they find stuff, really shady things. Like, I know I shouldn't have gone through it. I'm like, well, you found something. And to me, that's the unofficial warrant that you should have to get into the phone. That's where I kind of stand here. So I'm glad that um, a mental health professional agrees with me. Those were kind of the inciting incidents. He was talking to other girls, called to his ex's name. Not great things. Where does your breakup go from there? Like I said, that was like pretty early on in our relationship. And then we lived together and, and things were like generally okay. However, the problem was we lived in this really small town in a state where none of our family or friends were. It was pretty much just us. Kind of like a very unhealthy dynamic from the start. Like we really only had each other and not a whole lot of friends or social support outside of that. But a few months before I guess we separated, I had just been feeling like so disconnected from him. He worked like a pretty intense job, was working like overnights and just like 80 hours a week, like crazy work hours. 
this is so embarrassing, but I would like beg him to take time off and like hang out with me or spend time with me because I felt so disconnected. I understand you value your work. Work is important to you. Money is important to you, whatever. I also, you know, like want to feel important to you or, or valued. That's important to me. But he would always just kind of respond with, there's nothing I can do about it. I have no control in this situation, whatever. And I was like, I have a hard time believing you have no control. That was like a few months prior to us separating. However, kind of the big thing that happened. So we shared a computer. It's actually, actually the computer that I'm talking to you on right now, but <laughs> I had found emails between him and one of his coworkers that I had already had some weird feelings about just as far as their interactions and feeling kind of uncomfortable with them. Yeah. I had found these messages between the two of them. It was like so gut-wrenching because it was exactly what I had been begging him for to communicate with me, like as far as like communication or intimacy or whatever was like what I wanted from him for months and months and months and like that I would beg him for. And I literally like puked <laughs> after seeing those messages are like seared in my brain. Kind of traumatic, honestly. That was kind of like the inciting incident that prompted our separation and divorce. So this is after you guys have already been married. Yes. Yep. So we had been married for only about like a year and a half at this point. Uh, not a long marriage by any means. Yeah. And, and by the time like our divorce finalized, I think we had been married for not even two years. So pretty quick. <laughs> So when you found those messages between him and this coworker, was it the actual him communicating with her that bothered you or did it confirm this lingering feeling that you would have throughout? Yeah, I, I think a little bit of both. And also just kind of how he had handled me confronting him about it. You know, I had found these and he had been at work. So he came home and, you know, I talked to him about it. And like, obviously I was heartbroken and just felt awful and destroyed. And at the same time, I'm a therapist, right? I know this happened in relationships is actually not common, but kind of common, at least for the people that I work with. And so like, I know that this happens. I know that people can get through it. Not that I wanted it to happen. Not that it felt good for it to happen. I think that in my mind, it was like something fixable, something we could work on together. But yeah, just a little bit of kind of confirming these suspicions, but then also just like the nature of the messages just really, really hurt. Yeah, especially when it was just like things that I had been literally begging <laughs> for, for for months. What was his reaction? How did you approach that? And then how did he respond? He came home from work. I kind of brought it up to him and he was like very apologetic. Honestly handled it as well as he probably could have in that moment, at least to me. You know, he was very apologetic, said, I'm so sorry. He had also been going through kind of a stressful time because we had been planning on moving. And so he was looking for jobs elsewhere and, you know, trying to wrap up his current job. And so like had all these other stressors going on and also like struggling with his own mental health a little bit. So like he kind of gave those justifications of like, you know, why he was seeking this outside validation or, you know, attention from this girl told me like he would cut all contact and wouldn't talk to her at all anymore, you know, delete her number, delete whatever. Except the problem was that they were coworkers. He would still see her at work, but he promised that, you know, the nature would just be work only. Then the next morning I wake up, he goes to work per usual, and I am back on my computer, like doing my own work for grad school and see emails from that morning. The same like name 
nature of messages. Literally no indication that he had talked to her about anything or said, we can't talk anymore. Literally just a continuation of the messages that I had seen previously. So it turns out he kind of liked me. So yeah, that that sucked. But like I said, we had been planning on moving. And so that, that was kind of like last straw for me. I went into this, you know, thinking that we could fix this or, you know, work on it, whatever, as long as, you know, he was willing to do that. But he clearly wasn't. At that time, we had been in the process of moving. We had moved half of our stuff out to like our new place that we were moving in in a different state and then came back and all of this happened after that. So I ended up renting like an SUV and packing up whatever I could in the house and just getting the heck out of there because I was like, I cannot stay here. I didn't feel important or valued or whatever. And as much as it hurt to like leave and that was it, I guess. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor's also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't gotta worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is hibernation Abby and there is summer Abby. And summer Abby likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, refrigerated meal that must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious. And they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off 
off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. What was his reasoning? Because you said verbatim, he was seeking outside validation from this woman. What did he tell you? At that point, his story kind of shifted a little bit and it turned into more of a blame game of, you know, you haven't been a very good wife. You haven't, you know, given me the attention that I've been needing or wanting. And so that's why I'm getting this elsewhere because you aren't giving it to me. And like I said, to be fair, we were both going through really stressful times. We were in the middle of this move, whatever. You know, I was in grad school, which inherently is stressful, but it kind of shifted more to this was your fault that I sought out this attention elsewhere is kind of the narrative that he had. And and I believed it, to be quite honest, which is like heartbreaking to reflect back on. I questioned for months, you know, like what did I do in this relationship that led to him like, you know, seeking this elsewhere, you know, talking to this other woman or how could I have been better? You know, like, what did I do wrong? When like, objectively, he cheated on me. (laughs) I didn't do anything wrong. To be fair, all relationships are 50-50, whatever. I'm sure there were things that I could have done better. But at the same time, like, I was not the one who cheated. Even when you weren't even in the wrong, you were still looking for, well, what could I have done better? How could I have done better? And to me, that's the foundation of a healthy relationship. Two people who are willing to get better, because if you're not getting better, you're just going to get worse. To your credit, you just explained to me very clearly that this was obviously a pattern throughout his life. And so I'm curious from your perspective, if you had to diagnose him as a patient, why can't this man just commit to one woman? Oh gosh, this is a question that I have thrown around in my head so many times. (laughs) I think at the end of the day, we were both just in very stressful parts of life. Like this was a new transition for us. We were going to be moving. I was going to be moving into like my last year of grad school, which was sort of what you would see with like med school rotations or or residency. Like it's a a full-time job for a year, even though you're still in grad school. So that was going to be stressful. So I think we were just like disconnected on those fronts. I wouldn't necessarily diagnose him with anything or anything like that. I think that at the end of the day, the transition wasn't working for us and wasn't going to work for us. And so I think things ended up breaking at weirdly sort of a convenient time with me moving and all of the stuff going on. It sucked and it hurt. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) It was very painful. You thought you were about to make this move with somebody else. And now not only are you dealing with an incredibly heartbreaking breakup, you're now on your own and then you're starting this new rotation. That's a lot to handle at once. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we had spent a lot of hours talking together on, you know, where do we want to move? Where do I want to apply for these jobs? This was always the plan, you know, ever since he moved to the state that we lived in, we knew that like this was coming up in my grad school career. We were going to move to somewhere where we wanted to settle down, start a family. Like we were talking about potentially like starting to have kids at this point in our relationship, big steps. And I, I think maybe that worried him or scared him. I don't really know. You're right. It was, it was extremely difficult. I had kind of built up this future in my mind of we're going to move to this new state and I'm going to have this new job and we're going to buy a house and we're going to start having a family and all these great things. And then in reality, it ended up being the complete opposite of that. Like I moved to this new city alone. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't have my family there. I had no friends. there. <laughs> like I was just completely alone going through this awful divorce. And it was probably the worst year of my life so far. <laughs> When you're going through the worst year of your life, there's probably a small part of you that's thinking, well, if I could just go back to him, maybe things will get better. Was there ever a part of you that wanted to just press the reset button? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. We actually went back and forth for probably like six months before either one of us ever like filed for divorce because I think what it came down to, I think we both knew it had to happen, but neither one of us wanted to be the one to file or to like take those steps because we didn't want to get blamed for it. At least I know that was my reasoning because I knew that, you know, 
know if I were the one to file for divorce, the whole relationship, the whole marriage would be, it would all be my fault that it was ruined because I filed for divorce. When in reality, there's a lot more context there of things that happen. And so that, that put me off for a long time from taking any steps forward. And I felt very stuck. And he was also kind of struggling, like I said, with his mental health at the time. So I was very worried, you know, as a therapist, I felt like very stuck. In the end, this probably went on for like six months of us going back and forth of, you know, should we divorce? Should we try to work this out? I don't know. In the end, I ended up just being the one that accepted that I was going to have to be, you know, kind of the bad person in the story or the bad character and ended up filing because I was like, there, we cannot keep doing this. We are both going nuts. So miserable. At least that's how I felt. I guess I can't speak for him, but (laughs) it was just like a unwinnable dynamic. That takes a lot of bravery. And I've never thought about that, that the person filing for divorce is the quote unquote bad guy in the situation. I guess maybe it's because I know the context of the story and I am by no means thinking you are the the villain in this story. One thing that I think is really heartbreaking about divorce is that you never think like when you look at wedding photos and you see two people pledging their lives for each other, you never think that one day it's going to end like this. How do you rebuild from that? I mean, mentally and also just like your life in general. Like I'm assuming you're out dating again or making a pause. (laughs) Yes, no, absolutely. And it has been a process (laughs) to be frank. A lot of ups and downs since then. Our divorce was finalized almost like two years ago. I have some time that I've had to reflect and and kind of grow and learn. I spent a lot of time after I filed, after things were finalized, feeling like very sorry for myself and feeling very much like the victim in my own story. Like, how could this happen to me? Feeling a lot of shame and embarrassment for what happened. No one in my immediate or extended family had ever been divorced before. So I felt very much just this black sheep of the family. Like, oh my God, I was married for a year and a half. And now like I am divorced. No one knows what I'm going through. So I felt very alone. Yeah. And just kind of played into like the victim role for for a long time. And I kind of reached the conclusion that I did need that time to kind of grieve and, you know, process those emotions, whatnot. So like, I'm not shaming myself for taking on that role for so long. And at the same time, I came to this point where I realized if I want to rebuild my life and, you know, have a future for myself, there's no one else in this world that is going to do that for me, except for me. And so I finally had to reach that point for myself where, you know, I had to kind of pick myself back up again and start rebuilding things, start making a life and identity for myself, because that was something that I really didn't feel like I had within (laughs) within my marriage or my relationship. It was like, I am his wife. And that was my identity. So I was really kind of starting from zero and kind of rebuilding who am I as a human, as a single person, whatever. You said that you were the first person in your family to get divorced. Did they have a reaction that you didn't expect? Did anybody see this coming? I would probably say no. They very much loved him, you know, accepted him as part of our family. I did not particularly feel that from his family, quite honestly. They loved him. And I truly think that they were probably not as heartbroken as I was, but, you know, very heartbroken that he was not going to be part of our family anymore. And a lot of times I think my parents, you know, did the best that they could in that situation. But a lot of times I felt very alone and isolated and almost like they didn't quite take my side in some ways. Like I would say, these are all the things that he's doing to me, that he's saying to me. He is just calling me awful names and saying, this is all my fault and whatever. And I'm just miserable. And they would ask, you know, do you want us to talk to him? Or, you know, like, how can we help to fix this? When like in my head, there was no fixing this anymore. (laughs) I needed to get out. Like it was so unhealthy. I was so depressed, so anxious. Like I said, I, I think that they just wanted me to feel better. And they knew that if I could get him back or if things would be fixed, theoretically, I would feel better. So I I think that they were truly doing the best that they could. But like, it was so isolating for me, especially like I said, because no one had been through this in my family before. So like, I I don't think anyone really knew how to react to it. It was tough. How were you able to pick yourself up? What were some helpful things to become an independent person? 
person who's thriving now, or at least looks like they're thriving to me. Yes, no, absolutely. Thriving, yeah, is obviously comparative, but I would say I'm definitely thriving now. to how I was two years ago. But I think one thing that really helped me was when I was married in this relationship, I did nothing alone. Even going to the grocery store, going to get coffee in the morning, I was never alone. I didn't want to be alone. It was almost like this codependent dynamic. I was kind of forced to have to do stuff alone when I moved to this new city, didn't know anyone, didn't have any friends. I like literally had to do that. Otherwise, I probably would have died. Uh, (laughs) So like I would take myself out to eat and I started going to this new gym and like went to this workout class that was like this group of people that I had never met before and I was terrified to go and I ended up loving it and like they are wonderful people that I still communicate with. So like learning how to sit with my own uncomfortability and being alone and like tolerate that I think was so important for me and kind of my journey because I would say I actually prefer to do things alone. I would much rather go to the grocery store alone. I don't want anyone telling me what I have to do or you know making decisions for me. I would just much rather do it on my own. There was one thing that me and my ex had always talked about. We went on a honeymoon, but we had always talked, we want to go on this bigger trip to Europe, you know, after I'm done with grad school, after I have a little bit less scheduling constraints. So I felt very sad that that wasn't going to happen. After all of this happened, we got divorced. I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to this for like our entire relationship. But I ended up traveling on my own to Europe. And it was literally the most incredible experience of my life and like so empowering and really proved to myself that like I can do stuff on my own and still have a good time, still meet incredible people and do all the things that like I wanted to do with this partner, but I can do them on my own still. Like there's no reason to give up those dreams or, you know, things that I want to do just because I don't have someone to do them with. In traveling, it's like a pressure cooker for having to grow <laughs> some really independent skills because like yeah. when you're in a new place, you got to figure things out. You got to get from point A to point B and you don't really have the luxury of getting to rely on anybody except for the people that came with you. And sometimes yeah. Just you. Where did you go in Europe? So I went to Greece for almost like two weeks. And it was the most incredible experience of my life. I loved it. And I've traveled solo since then to the different places. And that's one way that I have found to empower myself. I actually celebrate my divorce anniversary now as opposed to an anniversary. And I like to travel by myself to do that. So my divorce anniversary is in February. And so that is when I like to kind of travel. That has been something that has been really empowering to me, really helpful on my journey towards healing. Do you know where you're going yet this year? I don't. I've been tossing it around in my head. I don't think I'm going to do Europe in February, maybe just somewhere in the Caribbean to, to get out of the snow for a while. Yeah, somewhere tropical. Since you are a therapist, I'm wondering if you've ever had a client that's had to deal with cheating and if that's been really difficult for you to have to be on the other side of like helping someone else through it or if it's been helpful for you. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That has been one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with like professionally since I got divorced, especially when I was going through my last year of grad school in the city where I didn't know anyone and was at this new job working full time for the first time as a therapist. And I did have a couple clients at that time who were going through similar, if not very similar situations. They were really tough for me. And there was like one or two clients that I actually wasn't able to work with because it just brought out too much emotionally for me. And at the time, I felt very much like a failure in that aspect. I was like, oh my God, like, why can't I get my life together to to work with this person? And like reflecting back, I think that was the best decision for me at that time. But 
it certainly has gotten much easier to work with those sorts of presentations now, you know, that I'm a little bit more removed from it, don't feel nearly as emotional about it anymore, has certainly been a growing process in working with any sort of like infidelity or cheating or even just like relationship problems in general. Are there any similarities amongst the cheating situations that you've noticed or picked up on that have been helpful in helping you or other patients heal from that experience? One thing that not only I went through, but I think a lot of my clients that I've worked with or, you know, people that I've seen have been through relationally is really trying to control things that are outside of their control. So I know like when I was kind of going through the separation process with my ex and, and divorce process, I very much wanted to control the outcome. You know, I wanted him to choose me and that is all I wanted. And I would do literally anything that I could to, you know, convince him to choose me. When in reality or objectively, you know, there's no way that I could do that. I had no power over that situation. I could try, but I would probably drive myself crazy and did drive myself crazy, you know, trying to do that. I see that a lot within relationships now and with my clients too, just very much, yeah, trying to change their partner or trying to control, maybe not like consciously their actions, but, you know, wanting them to act a certain way or behave in a certain way or say, I want you to work less and spend more time with me. And then when they don't, there's no consequences for that, you know, boundaries as far as that goes. So I think focusing on what am I in control of and what do I have influence over, but what can I not control, you know, in this situation has been so helpful for me. But I think that's also a skill that, you know, I've given to my clients that they also find very helpful as well. Have you seen anybody successfully be able to work through a situation where there was infidelity? And if so, what was something that they did really well that was helpful for them? Yeah, I've seen multiple success stories. I've also seen a lot of failures. I think, you know, it's probably 50-50, at least anecdotally in my experience. But I think the biggest thing after cheating and infidelity is communication is so, so important and transparency and honesty. And that is a situation where I think going through your partner's phone is absolutely 100% so important to like prove to yourself and, and rebuild that trust, if that makes sense. If there was stuff over the phone that was going on. But yeah, like being 100% transparent, open, honest with each other about what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking, and having both partners willing to do that as opposed to just one. I, I think that is so important. For you, are you dating? Have you been able to get out there and give love a try again? Totally, yes. So I am dating someone. We've been dating for actually like almost a year now, a little bit less. But yeah, I think my perspective on relationships has just changed so much as a result of this experience. When I was younger, before I got married, I was very much like, I want this fairy tale marriage and white picket fence house and two and a half kids and the whole ordeal. And now like, I, I just don't really quite see it that way. I just really enjoy where I'm at now and the partner that I have now. And like, if things don't end up working out, great. Like, you know, I will move on and find something else. And if they do end up working out, wonderful. Like, I am so happy with that. But yeah, I think I've found a way to live a little bit more like in this moment, as opposed to creating this whole big future that I'm going to be disappointed in if it doesn't end up happening, if that makes sense. How does he feel about you going on your divorce <laughs> anniversary trip? <laughs> so, so he is like so supportive. Yeah, so wonderful. Doesn't like ask me a ton about what happened with my ex or whatever, but is willing to listen, you know, if I want to talk about it. So supportive, just such a different experience than my previous relationship. Like I said, I have no burning urge to look through his phone ever or, you know, like worry about what he's doing. He's just very consistent with me, which is just something that I never quite experienced in my previous relationship. If you have any parting words for people who are maybe listening, who experience infidelity, like what's something that was helpful for you for being open and ready to give love a try again? It was so hard. This 
was actually advice that came to me from my therapist at the time because I was terrified. Again, I, I had kind of gotten stuck in the trap of I need to find the person. You know, I don't want to be hurt again. So I need to find, you know, this one person that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life because I never want to go through what I went through again. So like that put a lot of pressure on me while I was trying to date other people. Like this has to work out. Like this has to be the person. She had given me the suggestion of just going on like 20 dates, not with the intention of having a future with this person or whatever, just like literally meeting friends or, you know, meeting new people. And I think that took a lot of the pressure off of me because I was just kind of tallying up my dates and trying to get to my 20 dates as opposed to focusing so much on what would a future with this person look like. And I ended up being able to make a lot more genuine connections that way, I think, because again, I was very much more focused on like the here and now as opposed to 10 years down the road. What was that first date like? Were you terrified? Were you taking shots before walking in? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will be completely honest. I scheduled quite a few dates and ended up ghosting on, well, not ghosting, but like telling these people that I wasn't going to come anymore because I was just like so terrified. I think it just kind of came down to pushing through the anxiety of it. When I went on my first date with the person that I'm dating now, I told him like, I was like this close to (laughs) not going on that date with you. Even if you've been through kind of this traumatic experience in your past, or even if you haven't, dating kind of sucks to be honest. (laughs) Like it's not fun. There's a lot of pressure. It's difficult for a lot of people. Usually I would end up having a good time if I was able to push through that anxiety. So I think remembering that I will end up having a good time. I just got to get through this 30 minutes that it takes to drive to wherever I'm going and I'll be fine. But it's tough to push through that, I think. Thursday's bonus episode is one you are not going to want to miss. Lexi and I are interviewing Mac and Murphy, who wrote his master's thesis on infidelity. He also creates a lot of really valuable content surrounding human behavior. I found him on TikTok because he was creating really great snackable videos that took complicated relationship data and made it incredibly interesting and easy to understand in like 15 to 20 seconds. I've also linked his podcast in the episode description. It's all about human behavioral biology and evolution. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.